Um, today I have some scripture for you, and I want to get into a message in regard to the season, but isn't necessarily from the canonic gospels themselves. So I'm not going to talk about the birth of Jesus, but I'm going to talk about the season itself. Is that all right? Um, the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6 through 10 is what we are going to read together. Uh, when you're there, just say, I'm there. If you have your Bible, turn it on. Uh, open it up however you want to get it. If you don't have it, look up there. And if you can't see what's on the screen, we'll pray for you at the end of this message. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6, and I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, let the one, I'm reading in the English Standard Version, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Uh, verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he also reaps. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Uh, verse 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Let me say that part again. And let us not grow weary. Don't get tired of doing good for in due season. We will reap if we do not give up. Verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Somebody say everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. And my message is, I just want to title it very simply off verse 10. It said, let us do good. Let us do good. Good. Uh, an interesting thing in this passage of Scripture is there's a particular uh, section of it, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but I want to touch on it for a second. Uh, in verse 7, where it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. And I, I want to lay something there just really, really quickly, because many times we read this Scripture or we speak of this Scripture, and its connotation is one that says, don't mock God, or, or it has this negative kind of sinful bearing on who we are in our speech or in our action. And it is connected to our speech and in our action, but rather than it being a condemptive scripture, which it's not, just so we understand, it's actually a check and balance. So if we understand scripture appropriately, whenever we are speaking of exhortation we used to the word exhortation I'm, I'm thankful that it has come to better clarity of what it is and that is to bring encouragement through correction and and in the past you say I'm going to exhort my brother and that would be a, a scolding mention or we'd go okay well he did something wrong that's not what that is it's correction through encouragement you guys with me and and I want to lay out this scripture because this scripture it's coming off of Galatians chapter 5. It actually ties in to the last, you know, eight scriptures of Galatians chapter 5, which is a very tough chapter that Paul really sets some things straight in the, the church of Galatia. And in the beginning of chapter 5, he's very, very tough on those that created these unnecessary weights into the believing church. Uh, God, the Bible says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we cannot carry the yoke of Jesus Christ and the yoke of men at the same time. Somebody say amen. Let me say that the right way. You cannot please God 
and please men with the weights that we put on each other. Amen? And that's important because Paul in chapter 6 now says, look, look, we can't, in, in chapter 5 when he starts it, we can't put these unnecessary weights on each other, unnecessary burdens, unnecessary legalism, because it will distract us from what's really important. I, I want you to get this. And even inside of those first couple of, uh, that first half of the chapter of, of Galatians chapter 5, man, he is a savage. If you ever want to read that, man, Paul went off. And, and he, he even gets to the point and he's like, who taught you this new thing? For you were taught well in everything that we have and everything that we are comes from Jesus Christ. You know, we are in that season. As I said, we're in the season that belongs to Jesus. Let me say that right. I'm not talking about what contemporized culture says it is, where we put Xmas, and I don't believe in Xmas. Xmas is the exclusion of putting Christ into Christmas. So I don't believe in Xmas. The only reason why this holiday has any significance at all is because it celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, Christmas ain't about trees, and if you got one, great, I got one too. Christmas ain't just about gifts, it's not just about going and spending every last dime that you got to chase down a toy that you can't find and they won't play with. That's not what this is about. This is about the love of Christ. This is the fulfillment of John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Watch. What he's talking about is this holiday signifies and points out to the world. Just so we're clear. Points out to the world that the thing of which God said would come came. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah that said that the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God would come. And we celebrate Christmas because he came to us. Amen. And we can dispute if it's December or November or October or late September. I don't care as long as he came. What makes it important isn't when he came. What made it important is that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And we celebrate Christmas because we worship Christ. Amen. So when people say happy holidays, I say Merry Christmas. When they say whatever it is your faith is. No, let's get this right. I don't celebrate the Easter bunny. I ain't never seen a bunny lay eggs. Nicholas Kloss was a good man who gave out toys in Austria, but he ain't the one we're worshiping. He ain't the reason for the season, right? That ain't the one that's there, and the world attempts to, watch this, substitute God's purpose in our lives with other things. So what is this season about then? Well, it's about the birth of Jesus Christ. But what's different about this birth than any other birth is that this birth was not for the purpose of life. This birth was for the purpose of death. There's a saying that was said, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was Mark Twain, but I want to say it the right way. That the day you were born, the grave diggers began your grave. Now, we say that figuratively because we're not born for the purpose of dying. We're born for the purpose of living. But Jesus Christ was born to die. Yeah. 
on a tree. And the red by which we celebrate, someone says, well, it's the poinsettia flower. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. The reason why we put red on it is because it was the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's get Christmas right if we're going to get it. That blood is red. That Christmas red is deep because Jesus wasn't anemic when he gave his blood. Come on, you want Christmas red? I call it salvation red is what I call it. It was deep enough to get to my deepest sin. Oh, maybe we were shopping too much last night. I need somebody who understands the reason for the season. See, when I see that red, I don't see Santa Claus. When I see that red, I see salvation that was given. That's the greatest gift. Oh, wait, wait, I'm going to wake somebody up today because maybe somebody thought you were saved your whole life and you didn't need the blood, you had the right name. Or the, but do I know somebody that knew that they were lost and lost in sin and deep in the mire of their lostness? But Jesus found you. And every time I see that red, oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. So let's start in verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word, the one who is taught the word, share all good things with the one who teaches. When we are in this atmosphere, we are in the church atmosphere, and we are hearing the word of God, let me convey this the appropriate way. Preachers are not motivational speakers. <laughs> let me say that again. This is not a platform. This is a pulpit. Let, let me, can, can I be old school for a second? Don't get it twisted. It's, it's made of steel and it's made of metal. But when the word of God is being conveyed, life is being brought forth to the church. See, and that ought to do two things for us. For one, it ought to bring attention to the church. And two, it ought to bring fear in the heart of the person who's conveying it. Because something is happening when the word of God is being preached and taught and for some reason and I'm not saying this in regard to this church because PFAC is the church that builds itself around the word of God and I thank God for that kind of church amen, amen. everything's built around the word the music's great but it's the word that we need uh, the, the decoration is awesome whoever did this is amazing I want to see where the other half of that ball goes that's awesome that's fantastic but we're here for the word of God. Uh, we come if we're sick. We come if we need things in our lives. We come if we have prayer. But what you're ultimately here for is so that the word of God can be conveyed from one of which God has deposited the word into and one of which has come needing a word. Amen. See, I won't give you two nickels for a church that don't preach good word. If I needed a motivational speaker, I've been to 100 conferences. I've been to all of them. Been to Top Gun, been to uh, Franklin Covey, been to all of them. Been to all the ones that you can pay money to go, and not one of them made me want to serve Jesus more. Not one of them made me want to live right for him. Not one of them made me want to change habits or change the way that I am. And this is what I want to get to in Galatians chapter 6, is that there is the one who is taught, and there is the one who teaches in one of the epidemics of the contemporized church, uh, you know, in this time, and if I may say that, please, if I may say this, is that we don't respect the word of God like we used to. 
Maybe I should put my glasses on for this one. We don't respect the word of God like we used to. We used to be afraid to get up to go to the restroom. Now we have no problem being on our phones. When the word of God is going on, life is being preached and you think your Facebook feed is more important than the word of God. God have mercy on your soul. Because there will come a time that you will only need the word. What are you going to do in your deepest, darkest time? Go to your Facebook feed? Is it okay if we preach truth? Is that what we're going to go? We are here for the word of God to bring life into our souls. Somebody say amen. I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And somebody, Can we do this real quick? I like to call these permission Sundays. And that's where we go, Pastor, we need you to preach truth when we like it, when we don't like it, when it feels good, when it don't feel good. We need it, so help you, God. Come on, come on, somebody. Say, Pastor, I need you to tell me even when my arms are crossed. I need you to preach it even when I don't want to hear it. I need you to tell me like I've never heard it before. It's the word of God that gives life. And I'll say it like I said it at convention. If someone's offended, good. You need to be. The word is offensive sometimes. And it should move us and mold us and shake us from our comfort. There's a reason for that. Watch. And it says, let the one who is taught the word. I say this in our business meetings. I say this in, in our business meetings. And some people are doing this and they're doing that and they're doing, you're supposed to be in the meeting. Don't ask me a question later that you got the answer for when you were supposed to be paid attention. That's the word of God. Some of us are asking the Lord, Lord, I got this going on. And God's like, you didn't pay attention to the message? Well, God, I don't know why my family's going through this. You didn't hear pastor preach about family? I put that word in him. So the one who is taught, we're, we're going somewhere. Look, the one who is taught, the, the essence of being taught is to be discipled. And, and what is happening right now, this transference of the word of God, I want you to hear this the right way because the word of God is holy. It is holy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, tr trust me, this is going to be a motivating message. I just, I just need to get through the truth part. Is that all right? It is holy. And when we don't revere that of which is holy, Can I say this for me? When I'm not paying attention to the word of God, that's why my attitude stinks. That's why my home's in trouble. If, if I could just, look, you know what I do when I preach? I don't even have my phone. You keep it. There ain't nothing in that thing that could help me right now. There ain't nothing that will help me more than the word of God when the word of God is being preached. So the first one, he says, we draw good things, look, from the word of God. That's what Galatians chapter 6 is saying. That's not the time to leave. That's not the time to go to the bathroom. That's not the time to figure out where you're going to eat. That's not the time to go through your stuff. Man, come on. Come on. You, you know how holy the spirit of God is and the word of God. Is, and this is going to sound tough, but is it all right if I say it? Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead in the New Testament. Now, now you don't need to do that now. Lord, don't do that now. But what he was saying was, 
the Holy Spirit, that, that, that sin against the Holy, it's still holy now. It don't matter what society says. It's still holy now. It don't matter what the world says or isn't or is. It's still holy now. And when we're hurting and when we're in the deepest and darkest times of our lives, do you have the word of God in your life? That's what matters. So it starts with that. Look, the one who is taught. Now, the one who teaches. Oh, my God. See, here's something I want to share. Can we pull back the curtain for a little bit? The one who is teaches, we got it tougher than the one who's hearing. Oh, man, I tell you what, there are days I'm like, I wish I wasn't the preacher. And I'm not talking about the day. I'm just talking about the call. I wish I could just sit and listen because you want to know what happens when you have to be the teacher of it. God has a real interesting way of projecting messages into our lives. Before he can project the message through our voice, he implants it into our lives. So, so the one who is teaching and the one who is hearing, watch, the one who is teaching, when it's truly the word of God, God will require that person to live that out before they speak it. That's the truth. I wish that wasn't the case. You would say, well, well how, come, how, come, how come pastor, or how come the, the preacher, or how come Mingo, or how come the devil can't just preach a good, happy, fun, loving message? Because that's not what's going to grow us. And, and, you, and you know what? I don't, want to I don't want to take directions from a person who's never been there. Right? Well, well, this is how you go. And you go this way and you go that way and you go there. And they go, they got a really good diner. And that's, oh, did you eat there? No, I've never been there. Watch, watch. So you're only telling me what you've heard, not what you've done. Let us do good. So the one who is teaching, as Paul is saying, there's this link, there's this connection. You with me? There's this connection from the one being taught and the one teaching. And it's, this is the best way to say it. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul is going, look, I'm not the way, he's the way, but he made me live out a little bit ahead of where you're at. That way you can follow me because I've been there. Not because I'm the way, but because I've had to live the thing that I am telling you now. That's interesting, isn't it? And man, dude, we were at our, at our convention just a couple weeks ago, and, and, and I'm standing on the side, and they're about to call a, a few of us up to, to the stage, and, and our bishop, uh, Bishop Frank Romo, is one of them. I'm standing right next to him because that's one of my spiritual daddies, and I'm standing right next to him, and he's got his arm around me, and, I, and this is what I'm telling him. I told him, I don't belong here. He's there. Bishop Adam Lopez is there. You know, Joe Prado's there. There, there. there are men that are there that I respect and revere. I'm like, I don't belong here. Why in the world are they going to, I don't belong here. And in typical bishop fashion, well, here you are. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want this. And he's like, well, it's on you anyhow. You might as well. That's bishop, huh? But look, 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 look. There's the one teaching and there's the one being taught. So even though I don't want the thing that he's teaching me, he's going, God already has that for you on your life. Now stop crying. I'm serious. And then I proceeded with crying a lot after that. But he says, stop crying and accept the will of God in your life. But if I'm not teachable, 
See, if I'm distracted, if instead of having a moment of intimacy by which his arms around me and I'm listening, instead of I'm on my phone like this, he can't put anything in me. Don't miss those moments. I, I won't even go to the fact that that's just so incredibly disrespectful to the Holy Spirit. And the only reason why we even deem that to be anywhere near acceptable is because we're not alone in sometimes disrespecting the Holy Spirit. And we've gotten so casual with the word of God. Well, make sure that this motivates me. Well, this may not have to. This may need to convict our lives. Is this all right? Watch. But what the goal is, I want you to get this. What the goal is, is that the one who is teaching and the one who is taught come, align, come into alignment with the good things that God desires of the body of Christ. Ah, you, you with me now? So whether you're the one delivering or you're the one being delivered to, that word comes together because God goes, I have a plan for my body. And I need, whether it be the one teaching or the one being taught, I need my entire body to come into alignment with my will. So I'll have one teach and I'll have another one receive. But at the end of it, we're all in this together. Uh, we don't get to go and fly back up to heaven or go out the side. I don't believe in side door anointings. I said that before. I don't believe in green room anointings. I don't believe in back room anointings where we go, no. You know, when I come out, I'm going to barely touch the floor because I'm so holy and awesome. I'm going to float my way all the way to the pulpit. Don't touch me because you might touch God's anointed. If you touch me, all you're going to feel is chubby Mexican. That's it. But his expectation is that together we're fulfilling his will. Together. You know, someone said, well, well, that's not for the shepherd. That's for the sheep. Well, the shepherd sleeps with the sheep. And at a certain point, the shepherd, and I'm talking about leadership, is that if somebody closes their eyes, the smell of the shepherd is indistinguishable from the sheep, which means that they smell the same. And the only one who sees them different is the one who's looking with these eyes, not these eyes. So God goes, the one who is teaching and the one who is receiving, I have an expectation of my whole body to fulfill my will. Amen? So what, I, what I'm going to proceed with that, you know, from this point really is that. What is the expectation of all of us? All of us, whether we are behind a podium or, or not, whether we are in leadership or not, it doesn't matter. We share these good things that come from it. And the goal God has for us is that whether we be the one delivering or whether we be the one receiving, that we fulfill his will through his principles and through the action of our faith. Amen? I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. Stay with me. So watch, verse 7, now, now it's bringing into alignment what we were talking about, right? So God takes the one who teaches and the one who is taught and says, I still have the same expectations to everybody. So whether we sit in the back or we sit in the front, the left or the right, whether we put on suits or wear t-shirts, God has the same expectations of every person who is called a believer. So now look at verse, look at verse 7 and what he says. Do not be deceived. I love this scripture. It's powerful. And, and, and what Paul is saying is don't learn something 
That is not what God has taught you. That's so good. So deception isn't necessarily speaking of the demonic, even though it comes from a contrary spirit than the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is don't go by anything else than what God has given you. See, we don't learn how to be good Christians by reading a thousand books, and I got a thousand of them. We learn how being good, how to be good Christians and good followers of Jesus Christ by His Word. People are like, oh man, did you read this and did you read that? And did you read the 12 Rules for Life? That's a great book Jordan Peterson wrote. And did you read Sandy Robinson's new book? Oh, it's new and contemporary and cutting edge. Oh, did you see this? Did you say, I got a question. Did you read the Word of God? It's the number one seller of all time. It's the most accurate book that has ever made predictions, ever. Did you know that? The world don't like to talk about that. It is the most accurate Prophetic predicting book in history. In history, they said the greatest predictor of the future was Nostradamus. No, it wasn't. It was Jesus. Nostradamus was right 8%. Can you imagine being right? Well, I'm probably right 8% of the time. (laughs) That's a joke. Someone's like, he's not lying. I'm just kidding. Watch. The word of God is what gives us our truth. So we should not be deceived by things that are not from his truth. Opinions aren't from his truth. Can I say that again? How you think about someone else in a buck 50 will get you a cup of coffee at Quick Trip. Anybody worry about people's opinions of you? We all say no, and some of us are losing sleep tonight because of it. It don't matter. Truth is, we don't think truth matters now, but at the end of it, that will be the only thing that matters. Why? Because what is truth? That's not the right question. The better question is, who is truth? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So he says, do not be deceived. Don't think different than what you are being taught. That's what Paul is saying. Don't try to figure this out on your own and be like, well... You know, I think that if I do it this, you know, we all have our relationship with God. No, that's true. That's true. I got two kids, but they only got one set of parents. And and, and our kids, someone will say, well, well, are your kids different? Yes, but our parenting's not. I'm the same daddy. God is the same father, even though his children are different. And, And watch this. He's such a fair daddy. The Bible says that he's no respecter of persons. So he don't care. If one is a CEO and the other one's a crackhead, he has the same expectations of both of them. That's powerful, huh? Well, my daddy treats me different because look how good I am. You know, and the other one's like, well, my dad don't love me because look how bad I am. He loves you both exactly the same. He loves the CEO and the crackhead the same way. The CEO says, everybody loves me. And the crackhead said, nobody loves me. And God's like, I love you both. I love you both the same. Well, well, if I do this, well, then God will love me more. No, he's not. Well, but, but if, if I get to this place, God's going to give me, you know, like that hotline. Like sometimes we're so spiritual, we think we got the bat phone line to God. And God's like, no, ho- hold on a second, Mr. Important. I'm listening to the old lady who's in the back of the church. 
who nobody's paying attention to. Uh-huh. Watch, watch this. Watch this. Pastor so graciously mentions these different people, and that's fantastic of those that have prayer. I know that my disabled mother prays for our pastor. But is she the woman that just gets wheeled in and put in? Yeah, there's a chair that's removed. She gets wheeled there. She has her own chair. She brings her own chair. Her chair has wheels. Ours don't. Wheel it right there. And God goes, I'm going to listen to them the same way I listen to someone else. So look, he said, don't be deceived. Watch this. That's why it says God is not mocked. That's why it says that. Look, don't be deceived. Don't think things different because you want them to be. We don't change the word of God to us. We change to the word of God. Well, well, let, you know, and people say this, well, well, that was for them. That, that was for, for those people. That's, you know, we're different now. Oh, you got another rendition of the Bible you'd like to come out with? I, I, well, no, no, but, but now it's, it's different. We're not the same. You think God didn't know that? Before he created the heavens and the earth. He said the word that I give you goes from everlasting to everlasting. As a matter of fact, he says heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one word will ever pass. You know what that means? It won't ever expire. The word of God ain't like bad milk. It don't ever spoil, it don't ever change. So he says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Watch, let, let's get somewhere. He said, you know, what, what he requires then, he requires now. What he said then, he means now. What he put into action then is still into action now. And if we are here, especially in the Christmas season, brothers and sisters, if we can't live for Jesus in Christmas, when everything we look at has got his name on it, he says it, that God's not mocked. And by mocked, it doesn't mean a blatant mockery. And in some cases, it does. It actually covers all of them. It even covers the ones that are light and kind of blanketed and go, well, God, know, God knows me, though. He knows I'm different. He, he knows the situation I'm in. He knows what I'm dealing with. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his blood covers it all. Watch, watch. Let, let's, let's keep going. We good? But it says God is not mocked. And what does it mean to mock God? Let, let's just look at this. It doesn't mean that we sit there and mockery and blasphemy are not the same things. Blasphemy is a sin against the Holy Spirit. Mockery is to make little or fun of God. Jeez. So when we mock them, we're making little. You, you know, you ever see fighters mock each other? They're standing there and they're mocking each other. And they do that to each other. And they go like this. And, you know what I mean? Or, or they talk or whatever. Or like I tell the girls. No matter what they steal, they still got to get on that. You can mock all you want. You still got to get on there. The principle still remains. God is not mocked. Watch this. Watch. watch. Here, here's the part where we start opening up. Look at this. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows. Hmm. This is a law of reciprocation. This is a law of sowing and reaping. And this actually connects back to the gospels of where we sow and where we reap. So this passage of scripture is not about sending people to hell. This passage of scripture says what we plant is what we'll harvest. So it says don't be deceived. Watch. You can't plant oranges and get apples. That's what it's saying. Look, here's how fair God is. God says what you put in the ground is what you'll grow. What you plant is what will come back. Look, 
name it and claim it is mysticism. That's not Christianity. All I got to do is speak to it. Anybody ever speak to your broke account? Any of you ever rebuke the zeros? And your account just looks back at you like, say whatever you want, bro. It's still right here. You're like, I command the angels to change his bank account. Angel shows up in your room, hands you a job application. Should have paid attention in school. That's a lying devil. No, that's a lying you. Right? Looking at the credit card bills. The devil is a liar. No, your interest rate was lying to you. Did, did, did you know that they say right now, from, just from last year to this year, let's go from 2021, actually better. 2021, it costs you 27% more to live now than it did two years ago. And don't be deceived. It literally costs that much. Anybody buy ground beef? Right? She's all, nope. We don't eat beef at all anymore. Spam got a whole lot more attractive now, huh? <laughs> I was listening to a, to, a, to a broadcast, and they said, you know what? You, you want to know whose stock has gone up? Watch. This is funny. Hamburger Helper's stock has gone up. No, because ground beef costs so much, our hamburger needs help. It needs help. See, what my wife fed me for the first month of our marriage was prophetic. It almost killed me, but I needed it now. Her uncle said, is this to death do you part? I'm like, I think she's doing it, boss. I'm just kidding. You, you feel bad for her? Feel bad for me. I'm the one who had to eat all that stuff. I'm just kidding. She's my favorite cook now. Love you, babe. Look, for whatever we sow, watch this. Sowing, let, let me get through this. Sowing is not an idea. Here's the part I want to get you to. Sowing is not an idea. Sowing is an action. See, we've fallen in love with the idea of Christianity. We've fallen in love with the idea of being believers. And we build, sometimes, the system and the operation around the idea of it. But not around the action of it. And what happens is that Paul is saying, don't be deceived. You can't replace action with ideas. When, when we, were, we, we were at our, our, our convention, going back to that, a couple weeks ago, um, my wife and I had an opportunity to lead a Mission Anaheim team. And we took 400 volunteers throughout the city of Anaheim. And, and we, were, we were going through neighborhoods and going through parks and going through different churches that were in the city. We took 80 volunteers 80 volunteers to the largest Thanksgiving feed in the country. And when we're talking to those young people, we're walking throughout there. And I just wanted to start interviewing. I actually kept one of those interviews on my phone. I loved it. I loved it. And I, and I kept asking young people, what do you think about this? What do you think about it? And one of those young people, a little 16-year-old guy that goes to church on his own. His parents don't go to church. No one else serves God. It's just him. And he's like, I love this. You want to hear something crazy? I said, why, bro? And I have it on the phone. He says, because this makes me feel like I'm doing something for God. And all, all he was doing was telling people, we're just, okay, stand right here. 
They're going to call your name out right now. You're going to go get your food. And, and you know, Allie and a couple others that are here from the church, like they were helping it to, to serve food for single mothers and carry it so that they can feed their kids at it. 15,000 people ate there. And we went from a group that wasn't even expected to be there to being the largest volunteer group they had, Pastor. And they went from, we ain't got nothing for you, from where did you guys come from? And they kept telling, give, give us your information. It's literally in my wallet right now. Literally in my wallet, I have the information to the director of it. And, and it's going, where'd you guys come from? You'll do anything. We, we were taking out garbage and we were carrying plates and we were wheeling wheelchairs and helping people that are in line. They thought we worked for them. And we're standing there in line and just greeting people and shaking hands and introducing ourselves. And, of course, you know, because some of you know, our young people, they're just gung-ho apostolics. They're like, can we pray for them in the line? I'm like, say hi first. <laughs> say hi first. They're here to eat. They're here to eat. They were like, but we need to preach to them about Jesus, Migo. I'm like, man. Well, it's kind of my fault. I was firing them up in the morning. But I'm like, guys, look, 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 look. Watch this. Watch this. I told them. Before you can minister, you have to be present. Don't be mocked. Don't let God be mocked. Don't expect something you're not present for. <laughs> do we want revival in PFAC or do we want revival in Phoenix? If we want revival in PFAC, all we got to do is turn the volume up. Because revival means to wake up that of which is asleep or dead. But if we want revival in Phoenix, it can't be an idea. It has to be an action. Because what happens when it's just an idea? See, our, our, our brains start discharging dopamine. And what happens is that when it discharges enough dopamine, it gives you the same satisfaction as if you did something. There's going to be revival. There's revival. There's revival. There's revival. There's revival. Say that enough times, you're going to feel like there is, even when there isn't. And that's, that's why Paul is saying that. Don't be deceived. The idea is not the action. James said, show me your faith, and I will show you my faith by what? By my works. Okay, let's hurry up. So this is the law of sowing and reaping. You will get what you put in. We should not, as believers, ask God for something we didn't plant. That's a principle. That's a law with God. Well, if you just ask in faith, well, God will give it to you. You couldn't handle the thing you had. Why would God give us more of something we didn't manage right? That's the mock, Pastor, that's, that's the mock part. That's the deception part. Well, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm, yes, you are. God bless you. We're blessed because we have salvation. But a lot of times we don't, we don't turn something into something, not because we don't believe in it, but because it's because we don't do anything with it. And now our faith and now our Christianity and now our believership is about the idea and not the action. And we build program around the, uh, the idea. We build system around the idea. And I'm not talking about PFAC. I'm talking about at large we do this. We do this in our own lives. Well, let's talk about how much purpose we got. Let's talk about how much love we got. And let's talk about how much grace we How about we show love, show grace, and do purpose? Amen. All right, let's get this done. Look. Let's go to the next one. I, I, I want to get through this really quickly here. Everybody good? All right. Watch this. Okay. Now, here, here's the thing. Chapter, uh, verse 8. Watch this. Reaping corruptible or eternal. There's a choice we make. Okay. Let's get through this quickly. Look. 
Verse 8 says this, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. I want you to get that. And corruption, corruption in this particular scripture doesn't necessarily mean that you lose your salvation. What it says is that when we sow into the things of our flesh, those things are corruptible. Money, right through our hands. It's not worth what it was worth three months ago. So when we put our desire in those things, those things are corruptible. Those things are not permanent. They're temporary. Praise God. Anybody see money going faster now? You put gas? Gas came under $3. We all, we were speaking in tongues, huh? <laughs> Woo! $2.99, you're like, oh, we're getting coffee this morning. <laughs> I remember when gas was 89 cents. Remember that? And it became a dollar. We thought the Lord was coming back. We're like, a dollar one? Why one? Why not just make it a dollar? They said, no, they put another penny on it. We go charge them. Now, watch this. Now, we're celebrating something that's corruptible. Well, I'm going to focus on my career because if I get my career right, I'm going to have, it will fall through your fingers. I'm going to sew in this and I'm going to sew. Tree and I were just talking to the girls. We were just talking to the girls on the way to church about putting your, investing your whole life into one thing. I said, what happens when that one thing doesn't happen? You got to have a full life. You got to have something that has more than just an idea. Because when we sow into the flesh, it falls through. And what are those things? Success. And we're not saying those things are bad. Just don't let that be where you plant your faith. If, if, if you want to run a business, run a business. I'd be a hypocrite if I told you that was bad. Run a business. That's okay. Be a manager. Do that. Have a good career. Do it. God bless you. It helps keep the lights on. But don't worship that thing. Because it will fade. Well, it, it, you know, and, and you know, the dads and the moms, well, if we make enough money, our kids will be fine. There's a rich man right now, right on Pennsylvania Avenue, who's got a son in a lot of trouble. Because you planted in the wrong field. So that's what he's saying. Look, look, if you sow into the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. It's going to be temporary. It's going to be corruptible. And, and the reason why I'm saying this is important for us to acknowledge is because we're living in a time that even behind pulpits, we spend more time talking about things that are temporary than we do about things that are eternal. That's when you know something's gone wrong. Is when we put 80% of the energy into the temporary and 20% into the eternal. Well, God, God's getting ready to make 10 people here a millionaire. No, he's not. I wish one person would just stand up and go, no, he's not. That's the truth. Well, Mingo, you're just being cynical. No, I'm being truthful. It's the truth. You want to be a millionaire? Work. That's the truth. This ain't spiritual American Idol. We all want to stand up there and just sing for God like he's the nice Simon, right? And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I'm going to bless you beyond all men. He's going to bless what you work. He's going to bless what you sow. 
Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Look, 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 look. Look, we sow. Watch this. Paul even said it. Paul plants, Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. See, God will not bless you with things that you won't plant. God will, and, and someone's going, and go, you shouldn't say that. No, you should say it twice. God will not bless you with things you won't plant. Well, God, God's going to give me a, a harvest in a field that I didn't work in. That just means you're lazy. Why would he do that? Actually, that's one of the seven deadly sins is slothfulness. I want God to bless me, but I don't want to work for it. God's like, in order to save you, I had to walk all the way up Calvary. I couldn't just have the idea of salvation. I had to shed all my blood, my real blood. And, and we want God to bless us off ideas? Well, God, I, I ain't never missed church. And God's like, yeah, but you're missing Monday through Saturday. So look, look, look. Reaping corruptible or eternal. So when we sow in the flesh, it's going to fade away. And here's the thing we ultimately need to know. All the money, all the success, all the position, all the title, it can't go with you. Not one piece of that can go to heaven with us. Not one piece. It don't matter what they bury you with. It's all still there. And you're the one who's gone. All the Egyptian pharaohs, they buried them with their gold and they buried them with all that. That pharaoh's gone and people are there taking that gold. So we're like, no, he took it into the new world. No, he didn't. It's right there. <laughs> Don't bury me with nothing, you know, expensive. I asked my girls, I, I, I like watches. I love watches. I collect watches. I buy them from all the, you know, the places in the world that we go to. And I bought a bunch of them and I asked my girls because it meant a lot to me. And I'm like, my girls love their daddy so much. They would never give away one thing that I ever give them. And I said, girls, when I die, what are you going to do with all the watches daddy bought? Ava said, we're going to keep a couple of them and sell the rest. <laughs> we know who the sentimental one is, huh? <laughs> Jeez. Ellie's like, don't die, daddy. <laughs> Ava's like, let's put that in an annuity or get some interest on this thing. You don't need it no more. I would ask them, what are you guys going to do when I die? They're like, we're going, on a, we're going on a cruise around the world. I'm like, so if we never go when I'm in life, it's because you've been planning it for when I die? They're like, yes, let's be honest here. <laughs> but the corruptible things will corrupt. They'll fade, they'll fall through. So, so Paul says, look, sow in the spiritual. I'm almost done. Watch. Sow in the spiritual. Sow in the spiritual. I'm not saying so in the religious. I'm saying so in the spiritual. We got so many religious people. We need more spiritual people. So in the spiritual. So in the spirit. Listen to me. So in the spiritual things. If, if, if you're going to work in the flesh, you can't work in, 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 the, in the spirit. You can't go to your job and be like, I'm not there today, but I'm there in spirit. All I got to say is, if you're going to call in sick, don't post stuff on your social media feed. I look at that stuff. Man, they look real sick. Look at that. It's amazing. Like your job about to be corruptible. You don't even know it right now. But look, the fleshly things are from the outside. Success or elevation, prosperity, recognition. And then the fleshly things that are within. Passions, 
desires. I'm not talking about passions for the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about passions, desires inside. Well, if I just had this and someone just loved me this way, then I'd be okay. It's going to corrupt. It's going to fall apart. Look, so you seek the spiritual things. And, and, and because the reaping is temporary, God says, look, this is what you should be sowing into. Listen, listen to this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It's not going to come up. But watch, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's spiritual. I told you, this is a Christmas message. Listen, it's love. It's joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Watch this. Against there is no judgment. It says against there is no law. So look, 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 look. If, if the goal is to be happy, happiness is temporary. You could be happy today and not be happy tomorrow. But if the goal is joy, I need somebody to hear me. I'm going to need some musicians for a second. Look, because in the corruptible, we could say as long as I'm happy, everything's good. But in the spiritual, we could say even when I'm not happy, even, even when it's not good, his goodness. So come on, I need somebody today. It's the spiritual things that don't last. Look, it's the spiritual things that don't fade away. You're going to go, what? But you don't look happy. It's okay. I don't got to be happy, but I still got peace. I still got joy. Why are you dancing that way? Because this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Come on. Come on. This joy that I have. Look at The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. Stop sowing in the things that fade. Look, I don't need to just be happy today. I want joy tomorrow. Come on, every time you say, I, I lift my hands and I praise God, that's the spiritual thing. Look, 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 they can take your money, but they can't take your praise, baby. Come on, they can take your house, but they can't take your worship. Oh, look, 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 they can take your car, but they can't take your joy. Come on, I need somebody that got some of that eternal hope, some of that eternal joy. Oh, look, look, yeah, 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 yeah. They can judge you, but they can't take your salvation. Woo! Say, I'm sowing in the spiritual. Come on, I need somebody that says what I praise God for. Man can't take it. It don't fade. It don't go away. Come on, this joy can't be taken from another man. This peace can't be taken from another man. So I don't need to sow in my money. I need to sow in my peace. I need to sow in my joy. I need to sow in love. I need to sow in gentleness. Come on, I wish somebody would just praise God for a second. Because the most valuable things you will ever have in your life, the world can't take it. You can't buy it, you can't purchase it, and you can't sell it. It is God's, and he's the one who gives it, and the world didn't give it. So the world can't take it away, baby. The world can't take it away. Now here's what I want you to get. If someone could play for us, please. Look. Here's what I want you to get. Spiritual things not only do not fade in this life, you carry them to heaven. God, I, you know, we're so earthly minded sometimes. We got to start looking to heaven, especially in the times we're living now. Look, 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 look here. 
Everything that you accumulate here, you tr- this, is, this is a good phrase. That I heard this once, and I want to tell you this. If you focus on the jewels here, they'll stay here. But if you focus on the jewels that are in the crown of life, I, 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 hope, I was hoping somebody would shout with that one. See, the Bible says that when this is all over, you'll be given a crown of life. See, why, why are we trying so hard to chase gold here when we're going to walk on gold there? Yeah, yeah. This, is what, this, is what, this is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, the thing you're killing each other for, when you get over there, you're going to walk on it. The thing you search the oceans for, when you get to heaven, you're going to walk through them. But you got to put your mind in the spiritual things. Because that does not fade ladies and gentlemen that the bible literally says that these are jewels inside of your crown well god can't you give me some of that now let me let me go in there and pluck some of this out real quick god's like this he goes look that don't work in man's economy it works in mine give me that next scripture verse nine. watch 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 let's finish this up reap corruptible or eternal reap please Sow in the spiritual so that you'll reap in the eternal. Look, and let us not grow weary of doing good. Look, I want to get somewhere. If musicians could help me out here, please don't leave me silent. Look, don't grow weary in doing good things. You know why I'm saying that? Because sometimes it's tiresome. Well, God... I'm doing good and no one sees it. Don't get weary. Well, God, I'm doing good and no one says thank you. Don't don't grow weary. Well, God, we we gave to this and no one saw it. Good. Don't grow weary in doing good. This is the season. What what did the angels say? Goodwill to all men on earth. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't just... Think good. Do good. What is this season about? It's about doing good. Doing good things. Give me that scripture. Look, it says don't grow weary. Sometimes it gets tiresome. Well, well, well Mingo, you don't understand. I'm treating these people well. They still treat me like dirt. Don't stop doing good. I'm asking forgiveness for things I didn't even do. Don't stop doing good. We did good by someone who was treating us really bad. It took 20 years. They came back and apologized. And I even told Tree, even in the hour, we said, don't worry about it. You're good. Don't stop doing good. Watch this. For in due season, we will reap. Come on, guys. Help me out here. For in due season... We will reap. And I, I, I want to tell somebody this. As long as you keep doing good, as long as you, you take these moments to, to give what you should give and love what you should love and pour into what you should pour into and, and do the things that God has called you to do. Listen, it's not our due season. It's not man's due season. It's his due season. 
I need somebody to hear this because you're going, Migo, it's so hard to do good sometimes. Yes, I understand that. But your season is about to be due. But Migo, where's my blessing? Hold on. Because in due season, we are seeing God do things now from things that we invested in two decades ago. Say, how should I do good? Do good until God gives the due. If you do, it will come due. And then you'll see what you did. I was in a podcast with these two young people that were, that, that were talking, we're exchanging this, and the two of them are telling me, do you remember back in 2016 when you said so? Pastor Andy knows what I'm talking about. It's like, they'll remember that, but I'm like, no, I don't, I don't. Like, no, I, and it's not trying to be important. I, I'm just old. I forget stuff all the time. But it's like, do you remember when you told me this in due season? Don't stop doing good because what God gives back. Can you wait for God's blessing? Can you do good until God is the one who gives back? Well, no, no I, I need man to appreciate me. Man may never, if you really are doing good, man will never appreciate you to the point that it should. Man will never give you back what only God can pay. So we don't do good for man's reward. We do good for God's reward. And in due season, God gives back the way he gives. Listen. He says, prove me now herewith and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you could not contain. And then he says, look, not only when, when your due season comes, not only do I bless you, but God says, I bless you, press down. I bless you. What, what, what? Come on. He says, I bless you, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Listen, I want to tell somebody that's been doing good and you feel like no one's seen it. God's been seeing it. I want to tell somebody that feels like all your works are in secret. But God says this, what you do in secret, I will reward in public. I need to... Oh. See, what you're giving, you go, where's my gift? And God goes, if you wait, the season is coming. Where are we at right now? Today's December the what? The 10th? All of our kids are like, when do I open my presents? When do I get to get that? Well, hold on. It's almost due. It's almost coming. And I want to tell somebody, and I really want to speak this over somebody's life right now. You're becoming weary in good things, and God is like, keep going. Keep planting in the spiritual. Keep pouring into the spiritual. Keep witnessing to your family. Keep encouraging your coworkers. I have a coworker, my partner, that he is, and I say it openly. You are going to be my reward. God is going to give me your salvation. I will baptize you in Jesus' name. And I preach to him all the time. I don't care if it takes 20 years. I don't care if it takes 30 years. If I keep doing good... God's season will come due. And when the season comes, I want to speak over somebody right now. Because you're saying, I'm giving, and I'm giving, and I'm giving, and I'm giving. When's it coming back around? And God's saying, you know what, Maria? Your blessing's coming. That season's due. It's almost up. Ever don't stop. I'm getting ready to bless you in a way that only I can do it. Oh, God, who's so like, God, I keep doing good. And nobody sees it. God's go because my blessing takes time. My blessing is in my season. My blessing is in the harvest. 
So do good. Do good. Do good. Do good. Do good. Let me say it again. Do, don't just think good. Do good. Don't just be good. Do good. Somebody ought to leave here and go feed somebody who has no food. Somebody ought to go and the next time you see that homeless person, go inside that store, buy them that meal. Say, I'm going to do good. Next time that person's cold, give them your jacket. Do good. Look, not only to the ones we choose, but it says do good to everyone. And the last part I want to end it with, if the musicians can please help me out. And the last one, I want to tell you this. He says, especially to those of the household of faith. There are some of us that you need something good to happen in this season. And there are others of us that need to be that good thing for them. Amongst us, even as pastors praying for those before the sermon, they need a good thing to come into their sick body, into their hurting heart. This season is a season of joy. And it's also, it's also in many ways into our society, one of the most depressing loneliest seasons of the year and that goodness that God put in you let's give that goodness to someone who needs that this holiday season maybe one less gift maybe we go home and go you know maybe I don't I don't I'm preaching to myself for a second maybe I don't need all those clothes I need to pack some stuff up and Get this ready and go be a blessing in someone's life. If there is any gift that we can give as a congregation this season, let us do good. And give of the goodness of God. And give from the goodness of our hearts as God has put it in you. Listen. Last night I was praying. And I told the Lord, give me three things that are tied to doing good. And he said, don't ignore opportunities of goodness. When I present them, do them. Don't ignore them. Two, pray for opportunities to come. And number three, look for opportunities to take. I know we didn't jump, scream, and shout today. But I want to ask somebody that's here. If God has blessed you this year, if God has been a blessing to your life, and we all quantify blessings in different measures, but we all know when God has blessed us. And I'm not just talking about money. Maybe you're going to have one extra plate this Christmas. And there's someone in the household of faith that doesn't have a family to eat with. Invite them to your Christmas. Maybe it's someone who's sick who's at the hospital. And in the busyness of what we have going on, we stop and go, I'm going to go over there and go be good. 
you, you want to know why we were so appreciative with what pastor did this week? Not only because he's the pastor, but because his goodness, that goodness that God put in him, he went to go talk to my mother-in-law and it made her day. You can be that same thing for someone's life this holiday. Go home. Talk to your family. Talk together. How can we be good to someone who is in need this year? And if you're here and you need goodness, we want to pray for you. This is a tough year. This is an especially tough year for many. And this is a tough season for many. There are two things that happen at the end of the year and the beginning of the year. One of them is babies are usually born. The other thing is that people are usually lost. So if there is someone here that says, Mingo, I need some goodness this season. I'm hurting. We want to pray for you. We don't have much time. But we want to pray for you. See, I need, I need some good things to come this year. It's not just money. I just need things to go good. Things have just been not going the way that I need some good moments this year. Can we all stand? And if that's you and you say, Mingo, I, I, I need some good things. I want to invite you to this altar. Go ahead and come.